The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Off the Shelf gives a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Roger speaks to members and government officials about procurement policy, trends, innovations, and debate. Now your host, Roger Waldron. Today my guest on Off the Shelf is Tom Afferton. Tom is the Vice President of Civil Solutions at Northrop Grumman. And we're going to talk about Northrop Grumman's support of civilian agency customers across uh, the federal space in particular. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Um, well, I'm looking forward to this conversation. And before we get talking a bit more directly about Northrop Grumman, let's talk about you, Tom. Okay. Can you provide uh, the listeners a little bit about your background and, how you, and your role, current role, how you came to your current role at Northrop Grumman and, and what that role is? Sure. So, Compound questions. I'm uh, big on those. I'll try to follow along. So, okay. sure. Uh, I am an electrical engineer by uh, training. I began, began my career uh, in commercial telecom, actually, and I came to Northrop Grumman about 14 years ago. It was part of an effort to help the intelligence community uh, adopt commercial practices for managing their secure networks. Uh, I then shifted into helping uh, public safety and law enforcement customers take advantage of technology. Uh, in the last several years, I've moved over to uh, heading up our federal civilian line of business. Uh, we are, um, we're combining agility, mission knowledge, and follow-through to bring uh, mission outcomes for federal civilian agencies. Uh, one of our focus areas is national security, which for us is the uh, encompassing the missions of the State Department, Justice, and Homeland Security. Yeah, and we're going to talk, um, you know, we'll unpack that and talk a bit about some of the mission support you're providing to those customers. But, um, you know, I guess, you know, one of the things, Tom, I have to say, like, so civilian uh, civilian solutions, uh, Northwood Grumman, are, are customers sometimes a little sort of, I think, surprised but pleased to hear that Northrop's in that space? Yeah, actually, uh, a couple of years ago, I sat down with uh, with a, a senior person at one of my customer agencies who had come over from the DOD and he said to me, uh, I got over here, and I certainly know you from the defense space, and you've, I've done some great work with your company, but I came over to this agency, and I was surprised to find out that you're one of my top providers and didn't know that we were in the federal civilian space. Uh, we actually have a, uh, a long history in supporting federal civilian customers. We've been in the State Department supporting their networks in one capacity or another for over 30 years uh, we have contracts in DHS that go back over 20 years. In fact, one of my first programs was a DHS program when I joined Northrop. And we have similar tenures supporting uh, my other customers like the IRS and the Postal Service. Our support to federal uh, civilian agencies uh, grew out of applying some of Northrop Grumman's historical core capabilities like systems engineering and securing networks into complex miss missions on the civilian space. As those missions have evolved and become more complex and interconnected with defense and intel, it's made even more sense for uh, Northrop Grumman to uh, participate in the civilian business. Right. So can you – I mean, I, I wanted to t t talk a little bit about first the State Department and what you're doing there. Um, you, know, I, I, you know, the State Department, that's a global operation. It seems to me that would be right in your sweet spot um, in, in your capabilities as a company. Um, 
and um, I, I understand that you've been awarded a, a systems modernization contract for the State Department just this year, this summer. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So uh, we were selected by the State Department to uh, support them in their modernization efforts of uh, applications that are used by consular affairs. So this would be uh, supporting them in the services they provide to uh, the general public, passports, visas, as well as some of the applications that are used by uh, their officers and adjudicators um, in performing their mission. So we're really excited about that. That's a program that's really just starting, but there's been a lot of pent-up demand, and, and we're looking forward to helping them. I have to ask you, so it, it's, it's, it's described as a systems modernization contract. You know, when, you, when, you, when the customer thinks about modernization, you know, what are they sort of thinking about? Uh, what are their challenges? And what do you sort of bring to them to think about sort of differently, I, it seems to me? That- so when I, one of the common themes as I talk to customers, the State Department being one of them, is that our immediate customers are often the information technology organizations or the, the information security organizations. And they talk about how they support their end customers that are, are the frontline officers and, and the general public. They're shifting their mindset from internal IT and kind of commodity services towards bringing IT to help enable the mission. So they and what they're hearing for their end customers is they want more, they want faster. Uh, I talked about this pent up demand. So one of the challenges that's been talked about a lot is the disproportionate amount of money that's being spent on legacy IT systems. And the need to have systems that are no longer stovepiped, that are are more secure. And so uh, we are helping our customers get their arms around uh, what they have today and giving them a roadmap towards being able to deliver more agile services and really make a difference in the mission for frontline officers. Right. So in that, you know, I want to touch on legacy in a second. But when you describe that, one of the things that I think about is just, you know, there's the you know, there's the, you know, back office IT functions and all that and being able to modernize those. And it's just making the customer user experience simpler, easier, faster, you know, more logical. I mean, are those, I mean, that's, is that what you're, I mean, that sounds like what your customers are saying in part too. It's the combination of those things, right? Yes. You can't have one without the other. I mean, you got to have the back, back, back room functions modernized to be able to deliver at the front end, right, to the customer the customer user experience. Absolutely. We want to make sure that uh, the, the right data is available, that that data remains secure, that uh, it's used consistent with privacy laws, um, but uh, also that, uh, uh, for example, adjudicators or a, an officer that's um, admitting people into the country, they have all the right information in order to make the decision quickly. You know, one of the things that's that's common across our customer segments is that there's a real emphasis on customer service, whether that's improving the traveler's experience to get through uh, entering the country as quickly as possible. Uh, if, you know, you're a, a frequent traveler coming back to the U.S., you should be able to move quickly to get your bags and get home. Yeah. Uh, if, yeah. you know, in, in filing your tax returns and make sure that that is a process. So balancing the the security and, and all of the challenges w- that come with that with still making sure that there's a good user experience. Right. So I think about myself, be selfish for a second here and say, you know, I need to get a new passport. I want that to be as simple and as fast 
as possible. So, uh, you know, so, I mean, so I don't have to waste half a day, you know, standing in the line, that kind of stuff, right? Is that, that's the, absolutely all right. And our, our customers, uh, uh, their end customers, the general public, are used to those kinds of digital experiences right, that they have in the commercial like, yeah. world. Yeah. And so bringing that to, to government is something that is important for our immediate customers. Right. And then legacy, uh, uh, you know, I, I tell you, I hear across government about, you know, my old agency, for example, GSA, the legacy systems that they have there that, you know, are a challenge to either replace. And sometimes it's so daunting that they just keep you know, patching the systems. Um, yeah, I'm saying GSA does that, but just generally. Um, I mean, is that a common, is what you see? And, you know, and 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 how how do you get people to move to that next generation? I mean, and now it seems to me with technology changing so quickly, it's the optimum time. Yes. It, when, when I go out and meet with customers, we sometimes talk about Northrop Grumman and our enterprise. You know, we're a member of the defense industrial base, and as a result, we have to protect information that's vital to national security, designs of certain systems, for example. So I'll bring my chief information security officer along, and we'll have a conversation, and we'll talk – our customers will talk about the crown jewels that they need to protect. And we can talk about some of our crown jewels, and there's a lot of head nods. Our global enterprise is at a similar scale as, as some of our customers' So thinking through how we have gotten our arms around uh, our environments and be, been able to be much more efficient and secure in the way that we operate our enterprise, we're able to bring those things to the table for, for our customers. Right. And, and Tom, we're at the break, okay? So my guest today is Tom Afferton. He is the Vice President of Civil Solutions at Northrop Grumman. And when we come back, we'll continue our conversation on how Northrop is supporting civilian customers across the f- the federal market, and you are listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio, a part of the Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio, a part of the Federal News Network. Today, my guest is Tom Afferton. He is the Vice President of Civil Solutions at Northrop Grumman. And Tom, when we were finishing up the last break, we talked about the challenge of legacy systems, sort of generally. Um, and I just wondered, what are you hearing from your customers about what their biggest challenges are, what some other key challenges are, and sort of how you how you see Northrop responding to them? Sure. So uh, clearly, spending too much on legacy systems is, you know, our customers feel like that's holding them back and being able to deliver, you know, new capabilities and outcomes to their end customers, frontline officers, and 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 the general public. Uh, some of the other challenges that uh, our CIO type customers are seeing is, you know, dealing with different mandates, cloud first, Fatara, things like that, but also the evolving threat environment. So I talked earlier about customers having crown jewel data that they want to protect, and that's under constant attack, whether that's, you know, manifest data and travel environment or tax returns, you know, a lot, lot of things that uh, are of interest to a lot of people that they want to protect. And the environment that they need to protect that information in is changing. So moving to the cloud, moving to digital transformation, providing more digital services to customers, and then also mobility, it just creates new attack services that that you have to think about uh, as you try to make sure that their systems and applications are secure. We're also hearing about uh, people constraints. So uh, oftentimes uh, our customers talk about the war for talent. They, they have a need for some of the same skill sets that the commercial industry has. 
And so we we look at all of those things and how we what we can bring to the table to uh, help our customers. One of the first things that we do is to try to help our customers get their arms around their current systems, their applications, their data, but also their mission priorities. And we work with them to establish an architectural roadmap that says, this is where you should be heading. And then they can make decisions with each sprint and each program increment on what steps that they want to take and be able to trade off between modernizing a certain component or, or delivering a, a new capability to the field. So, yeah, when you when you describe that, are, so when you, that's interesting about requirements. Are so are are you seeing folks talking more about the outcomes they want to achieve and leaving it to you to come up with the architecture to get to that outcome, rather than you know in the old days, you know back when I was in government, we'd come up with a five hundred page statement of work with all these like technical requirements that you had to meet to basically bake in a particular approach and in technologies sort of evolved beyond that it seems to me is that is that what you're seeing or well i it, i i think it's not only technology but the way in which technology advances and and we advance bringing those technologies to the customers has changed uh, the approach of defining requirements up front going off and and building a solution and then coming back and testing it that's the waterfall approach that uh, has really been overtaken by a more iterative approach, often using agile methodologies. What that does is it drives a lot a uh, lot closer interaction, a lot more frequent uh, feedback being provided by the the operational users. And it also accelerates having different pieces of value driven to uh, and provided to our customers. You know, I had an interesting conversation with one of my customers last week, and he was talking about quick wins. And he said, uh, what quick wins are and what they aren't. He said that quick wins are not throwing something out quickly that you have to go back and fix in a few months. It's finding out what are the most important things that you can deliver out to the customers and getting those out in a way uh, that's still secure, that is still reliable, but picking the right things and, and making the right priority calls. And I thought that was an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, it sounds to me lots like, like quick sound wins. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, great. Yeah. So can you talk um, – I don't think I've ever asked somebody as a show. Can you really just describe what agile? You know, agile is one of those but but to me, layperson again, a buzzword in, in amongst the techies like so you. I, so, <laughs> so I, I think you, what is agile? Right. My way of looking at that is what I said earlier. It's it is about uh, establishing a, a cadence of of delivering capabilities. It is about, at each step along the way, deliver, demonstrating that you are providing value, and it is breaking up what you're trying to do into manageable pieces and getting feedback on the priority of those pieces with the, the immediate or the end customers, really, that can provide that priority and provide the input from a mission perspective. There's a lot of mechanics that you can get into in terms of Scrum and, you know, how do you scale that sure. in a scaled, agile way and all those type of things. But really, it is about that iterative approach to delivering value that really is what the end customer is using and needs in terms of their mission. Right. And so when you think about legacy systems and Agile, is that the strategy customers want to see to replace? I mean, you know, again, I go back to when thinking about, you know, you think too big to fail or kind of thing, like people are have built their entire, you know, 
infrastructure on a legacy system that's been from the 1980s or whatever, right? And they're just patching it, and they can't find people who you know knew the technology back then or in the, in the languages. Is is agile a way to address that? I mean, how, it's a, just, it's just a generally. piece. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. we the we've looked at. Uh, you mentioned earlier about going from having this big pile of requirements to more of an approach um, focus as with procurements, and we've definitely seen that uh, where what we're to bring to the table is not a uh, giant solution but an approach to how we can work with the customer to deliver them the mission outcomes that they're looking for. We found that uh, we can organize ourselves and our technology efforts sitting behind our delivery organizations that are customer-aligned, instead aligning our technology investments around a couple of different capability practice areas, uh, one of which is software modernization, which includes Agile, mm-hmm. scaling that to uh, scaled Agile, but also things like how do you make applications be ready to migrate to the cloud, so microservices, containers, things like that, um, also, a responsive and, and user-centered design, so designing an application right from the beginning that can work on mobile devices and any devices. But there's other components to modernization that are important. Another piece is infrastructure modernization, which includes, um, going back to my telecom days, uh, I used to talk about dots and lines. The the dots are the things that you connect that are doing processing, and the lines are providing you that, that communications yeah, connectivity. Yeah. So in infrastructure, you've got the networks. They're moving to more software-defined networks. And then also your dots, your your data centers, which are consolidating and creating clouds. And then with the, the movement to cloud, also thinking about um, how to operate in a hybrid environment. Right, a hybrid cloud. Yep. Um, how does – I'm listening to that. I'm just you, – the do, do, lessons learned and capabilities that – you all have developed supporting the Department of Defense that translated or helped in your ability to support your civilian uh, customers? So uh, we we definitely see it in, in certain technology areas, but there's also a couple of more cultural things that, that come to mind. Uh, I mentioned earlier the security mindset, and that is something that definitely resonates with our customers when we talk about our enterprise and, and the type of information that we need to protect uh, from our platforms and systems businesses. Uh, another thing that, that we bring from our uh, defense and intel heritage is a uh, culture of performance. Uh, Northrop Grumman's tagline is the value of performance, and that actually means something uh, to our employees. Uh, we're a company that builds things, so uh, and this really connects back with the, the whole agile mindset that that you are defining what done is and based of you've delivered value. So our employees recognize the job is done when you've delivered that end capability, whether it's a, a, a platform, an airplane or a sure. satellite mm-hmm. or, you know, an information system. So it, it's not when the slides are done. You know, our, our folks are, are delivering capabilities. They're not just consulting. You know, they're, they're not advising. They are are delivering so that. That mindset is something that is we can bring from our defense and intel heritage and bring that over. And it, it, it allows our employees to really connect with the mission and, and focus on outcomes. Right. Tom, we're already up on the break. So when we come back, we'll uh, continue our discussion of you know, what your customers are, are seeking and, and the challenges they're responding to and how Northrop is responding to the customer needs uh, across the civilian 
uh, the civ- civilian marketplace. My guest today is Tom Afferton. He is Vice President of Civilian Solutions at Northrop Grumman. And you are listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio, a part of the Federal News Network. When the world calls for advanced electronics, we respond with C4ISR breakthroughs. When the world calls for defense from cyber threats, we provide groundbreaking cyber solutions. When the world calls for a revolution in autonomous technology, Northrop Grumman is there. At Northrop Grumman, we're constantly innovating to deliver the most effective and affordable solutions to our customers. Whether it's cyber, logistics, autonomous systems, C4ISR, or strike, that's the value of performance. Northrop Grumman. To learn more, visit northropgrumman.com performance. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio, a part of the Federal News Network. My guest today is Tom Afferton. He is Vice President of Civilian or Civil Solutions at Northrop Grumman. Um, and Tom, um, we, we took the break. We were talking about challenges for the customer and how Northrop is responding to them, how you, you know, go about tackling those challenges. And one of the sort of general challenges or issues that I wanted to or opportunities maybe is a better word that I, I wanted to get your take on is, you know, when you, modernizing systems and just modernizing the same process over and over again, you know, you're missing opportunities to improve the process itself and looking at how sort of you're organized or just the business process in general. Um, are, you, are your customers, you know, that's part of the solution they're seeking or not? Uh, absolutely. I think the worst thing you can do is try to uh, modernize a, a process that, that hasn't been streamlined or optimized to take advantage of uh, digital transformation. As I mentioned earlier, our our customers' customers are demanding that, that uh, modern digital experience. Uh, as I said earlier, it's interesting how our customers are really focused on uh, customer service. Uh, one of... Um, our larger programs, we support uh, customs and border protection uh, with their passenger systems program. So uh, we partner with CBP in helping them uh, modernize and sustain the applications that they use. So what, to, what is, I'm sorry, yeah. but what is passen, the passenger? Yeah, sir. So what, what is that so, system? Uh, they're the systems that CBP uses to help passengers move across the border. So okay. it's the uh, applications that the public interacts with, like Global Entry, okay. uh, but it's also the applications that um, uh, the frontline officers use as they are uh, uh, admitting folks coming through customs and, and uh, helping them make decisions. So on the you know, improving the, the traveler experience, uh, one of the examples is uh, we helped uh, CBP in, in modernizing their uh, Trusted Traveler program. Uh, that's the public-facing application that encompasses things like global entry, uh, as well as the Nexus program and Sentry. Nexus is for um, travelers coming from Canada, and then Sentry from on the southern border. And we helped them in terms of modernizing their uh, interface to the on their website and the, the general public. Um, re- responsive design allow that to be you know quickly get to making uh, choices of what they want, what the customer wants to do. I want to enroll. I want to check on my status, something like that, but also making it responsive to different devices. Uh, We helped them also, behind the scenes, migrate that application to the cloud, uh, which has allowed them now to take advantage of other uh, enterprise services available in government, like login.gov. 
though instead of having to develop their own login software, they could take advantage of that enterprise tool. And it's also allowed them to be more agile in delivering new capabilities more quickly, uh, providing new enhancements and responding to customer needs. Uh, so, so that's how we're we're helping CBP in terms of improving the the traveler experience. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, cloud example. I'm just, you know, how, what are the opportunities for a customer in moving to the cloud? Just sort of generally, it sounds like in- interoperability is something. Well, that I might think be facilitated th- from what you described, or am I? One of the first questions when we ask we ask when we sit down to talk about cloud is what are you hoping to get out of it. And that, that answer has evolved over time. At first, it was because I have to. Um, someone's making me. <laughs> that sounds me. like very government. Right. Yes. yes. Uh, there, there and were, I'm the one who said that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, answers around, um, I'm going to save money. Right. Uh, I had a, an interesting conversation with one of uh, our customers that talked about that and said, you know, we, we have a cloud-ready application. We actually have some uh, developers that are skilled in the cloud and we allowed them to specify what services that they wanted from our cloud provider. And he said the problem was they set everything at size extra large, and it came out costing us a lot more than it was when we had our own infrastructure. So part of what we think about with the cloud is helping our consumers uh, think through how to be our, our customers, how to be good consumers of, of cloud services. But some of the other benefits that we're seeing over time is, um, one is security, which has changed. Originally, folks were hesitant about the cloud from a security standpoint. There, You still need to give a lot of thought to that, but uh, they recognize it's a more controlled environment in the sense that they can get their arms around uh, what is being put in the cloud. And then we help them work through what's their responsibility, what's the cloud services provider's responsibility and the integrator's responsibility. But I think that the biggest driver is really about agility. It's about being able mm-hmm. to continuously uh, integrate and deploy applications and provide services faster to the end customers. And I think that's really becoming more of the consensus answer of why cloud. Okay. Very, I mean, that's really interesting, fascinating stuff. Um, and I know one thing that um, Northrop is very big on is mission alignment. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about what, what is that? Well, I think, uh, as I said earlier, our, our company our tagline is the value of performance, and that's about delivering the, the end outcomes for our customers. Uh, it's also in, about staying power. Um, a lot of, of what drives the technologies that we deploy today are the commercial segment, you know, whether it's, it's AI or, or cloud, um, it's being driven by our commercial customers. But these are missions that we are committed to. We, we hire, you know, a tremendous number of veterans. Uh, we, we have on board uh, the former CIO from the State Department who has, you know, a long career in foreign service. So we have folks that not only are, grew up in the mission, they understand it and they're committed to it. So, you know, we have a staying power in this industry that, that we can bring to the table, and it's because of that mission alignment. Uh, one of the other things that we we find with with having a, a civilian practice as part of Northrop Grumman is that there are some interesting uh, intersections between the uh, federal civilian space as well as uh, intel and and defense missions. 
Um, can you talk a little bit more? I mean, I sure it, to the extent you can. I, well, I get that. <laughs> uh, some some examples of what we're thinking about, at least uh, right now. Uh, one would be uh, with the um, the whole vetting ecosystem. So uh, there, the government is standing up a, a national vetting center, and that uh, is really about making sure that the uh, civilian adjudicators that are making different decisions as part of their mission have access to the best data that's available from a gross government so that they can make uh, efficient and quick decisions and, and informed decisions. And that spans bringing information from a lot of different sources on the classified side and then presenting it in an, in, uh, an intelligent way to the unclass side. So it really helps to be able to bring people to the table that understand what's going on on the classified side. They understand what types of data is collected and how and how it's shared. Uh, and then um, thinking about what's the most efficient way to present that back to uh, the, the civilian side in a way that, again, helps them make better decisions. And in, it's, in, it seems to me that there's, a, I mean, I guess there's lots of lessons learned from your DOD side of the business from what you just described that translate for the, in particular like DHS sure. and security and, and that sort of thing. Is that part of this mission alignment when you're thinking about how you support the customer and understanding the customer yeah, and their mission? There, aligning there's to a it? variety of ways that we can draw from uh, our defense business, our, our, our platform uh, business, um, uh, one example would be on the cybersecurity front, again, uh, protecting our own enterprise and, and providing um, the whole breadth of cyber services uh, to uh, defense and intel customers. We can think about how we can bring automation to the table, for example, to help our uh, civilian customers. Uh, there's some interesting intersections uh, when we think about the national airspace. Uh, we have expertise in providing um, unmanned systems and, and that moving into autonomous systems and thinking about how do you introduce that into air traffic management and into the national airspace. I had uh, one of my more innovative folks talking to me the other day about air traffic control in space. And again, that's going to be a really fascinating intersection of defense, intel, and civilian missions. Well, isn't the FAA, I mean, aren't they trying to modernize the air traffic control system? Are they... Absolutely, and, and we're we're thinking the next step beyond yeah, that, which yeah. is again introducing autonomy and unmanned systems, and and then again taking all that from terrestrial you know, airspace, if you will, to into yeah. space. You know, and that's a great point, Tom. So when we come back in the next segment, we can talk about you know taking those next steps beyond thinking beyond you know the horizon, I guess, so to speak, into where things are going. Um, and I also want to ask you in the next segment a little bit about in the procurement and how procurement is responding to the speed of change and agile and all that kind of stuff. Um, my guest today is Tom Afferton. He is vice president of civil solutions at Northrop Grumman. And you are listening to off the shelf on federal news radio, a part of the federal news network. Welcome back to off the shelf on federal news radio, a part of the federal news network. My guest today is Tom Afferton. He is the vice president of civil solutions at Northrop Grumman, we've been talking about civilian, uh, the civilian marketplace, where customer challenges, technology, how how Northrop supports and meets those customer mission re requirements, and you know one of the key things that you, 
that you know, we've we've talked a little bit about. It's like the agile, but also the changes in technology, how rapidly things are changing in the world we live in, how commercial market derives those innovations. And, and I really be interested to hear how Northrop, what you see coming in the future and how you sort of stay one step ahead. Sure. So I, I think that uh, you're right. The common theme is around the accelerated pace of uh, our customers and customers wanting more faster and, and helping them uh, deliver that. Uh, you know, I think what they envision in the future is, uh, a, you know, an improved digital experience for uh, their customers um, and then they want to see, you know, whatever their mission is, their officers getting out beyond from behind their desk, you know, in, in the foreign service, um, not sitting at a window processing forms, but instead being able to be out in the community and, and supporting not only the U.S. interests, but but learning about um, other governments and, and cultures uh, on on the uh, homeland security front. Uh, again, you know, with with CBP, one of our customers uh, their their office of field operations talks about wanting to get their officers out from behind that desk as you come into customs to allow them to be able to interact with travelers to be able to help them but also to be able to use what they're trained to do which is to look for unusual behavior instead of looking at screens and on the the law enforcement front the justice front um, for example being able to um, rapidly spin up uh, analytics in a way that's uh, nimble and consistent with their changing environment and mission. So if there's, you know, uh, some type of large incident that involves a lot of jurisdictions and gathering a lot of information from the public, being able to spin up the right analytics to be able to, to solve crimes faster. So I think all of those um, come back to some of those technologies we've talked about and operating at a faster pace. Yeah, you, when you, you know, especially the, uh, the customs example, I just, for... To me, I just envision immediately, you know, coming back to the country after traveling overseas and making that experience. Sounds like it's a twofold to make it. Uh, there's two customers there, right? There's the there's the customs uh, officer and ma- getting him out from behind the him or her out from behind the desk. But it's also the customer who is the is citizen coming back to the country or people tourists coming to visit the country, making that experience more pleasant, I guess, coming through the border, right? That's part of it, it seems to me. Well, and, I visualize that. I mean, it, the way you describe and, it. And that's exactly it. And and one of the things that we try to do to um, help our customers is to be able to give them visions of what that future looks like. So we invest in things like a futures lab where we can do some mock-ups with some, you know, meaningful prototypes of different back-end systems that would allow them to connect information and, you know, actually build a a mock-up of that traveler experience. Um, They refer to primary as that that first officer that you interact with and what is the primary of the future. Well, we can – we're investing in in building some examples of that to give them that sandbox that they can – they can operate in. And that really, uh, we're able to do that because as a large company, we have the resources, but we also uh, know that we're going to be in this business in the long haul. So we can, we know that there are opportunities out there and we can, we can, we can invest. It strikes me that that concept, you know, shines a light on opportunities people probably haven't thought about where they can improve the process. If you, you know, when you mock something up and take a look at actually how it works, I think you probably see things that 
you didn't see before when you just go look, you know, at an airport or whatever, right? I exactly. Mean, it gives you yes, that time yeah. to do that. Yeah, we've we've talked recently about participating in a day a day in the life um, with our consular affairs customers. We've had folks out at airports, and yeah, that's that's a very important experience. We find that there's a lot of magic that happens when you combine a uh, someone that's really familiar with the mission with some bright technologists. Yeah. Is um. When you describe getting folks out, you know, the, what your customer wants, getting out behind the desk, you know, doing, you know, sort of the real work they should be doing, I guess, instead of processing things, right? But it's a government. But um, is is a key to that, you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning, addre- addressing those, you know, processes that the government is very good at having? Well, I, I, I've heard some folks say that, you know, they, they want to use – artificial intelligence or more broadly automation as a way of um, addressing some of the more mundane and routine processes so that you can um, free up resources to focus their attention on more complex situations that, you know, here, this is a passenger where there seems to be some, you know, differences in the information that's being presented, let's focus our attention there as opposed to just looking at a bunch of, of routine data over and over again. So I think that's where there's an opportunity. Yeah. Um, and what one of, you know, so technology's changing rapidly, you, automation, you know, agile development. How does the procurement system keep up with, you know, customer requirements, which are, you know, more and more demanding and technology that's, I guess, more in the long run, more and more capable of meeting those demands. How does the procurement system keep up with that? It it certainly has been interesting to not only watch, but participate as as there have been changes. Uh, I think that uh, uh, procurement organizations really understand the shift from uh, waterfall and defining requirements to the, to the last detail up front, instead more of this agile environment where you're talking about approaches. Uh, and, and, and the procurement shops have had to experiment a little bit. We, we went through a phase that um, I'll call the, the agile beauty contest phase where um, – I like that. Yeah, you know, well, <laughs> companies could you – know, you could bring in a couple of well-spoken folks and, and have a couple of slides to talk about agile and win some contracts. And you know, I think that there maybe was a mixed track record in terms of follow-through. I think more recently uh, there's been more of an emphasis on execution – I know one place uh, where uh, some of the innovation has come from is the Procurement Innovation Lab at at DHS. Uh, They've been looking at uh, orals and having uh, the participants in orals be the key personnel they're going to execute on the project, uh, giving them challenges so that they can see how they solve problems. So a lot more focus on uh, performance, on corporate capabilities. Do you have the reach back in order to not only have your team there to execute, but help bring the government along. And I, I think that's a positive trend. Yeah. Yeah. That, that I love, I love that description. You know, it's the, you know, at the beginning when people start thinking things, Oh, it's the flavor of the day. We've got to, hmm. you know, do all this. And it is sort of a beauty contest, but uh, getting to the substance of the matter, you know, and capability and execution. I mean, that's a healthy development. We, another thing that, that, has been an evolving consideration has been around the granularity of contracts, the length of the contracts, the, the, the structure, uh, the, the number of participants. Um, uh, You know, I think there's, there's a reaction and a natural reaction with 
the spending a lot of money on legacy systems of of being concerned about locked into vendors in the long haul. Uh, in some cases, it, it, it may have gone a little too far. I've heard talks of you know acquisition by the sprint, mm-hmm. and I think yes. it, where there that could create some challenges is that the whole value of Agile is building that iterative relationship with customers and and having the uh, engineers really understand the mission, and that takes a little bit of time, and having a longer term uh, potential f- a long longer term commitment, I think, allows companies to invest. If you mentioned earlier our uh, contract with Consular System Modernization, uh, that's a contract that has options that could go out as long as 10 years, and it has a a contract ceiling as high as $850 million. And what that does is that creates an incentive for for us to be able to bring value quickly and demonstrate uh, with the individual task orders, so it's a task order-based contract, that uh, we can deliver those first projects, and then there will be the opportunity to do more. It doesn't mean that the State Department is locked into us. They no. can use other contract vehicles, but it does provide a way of, of sort of sustaining momentum if we are jointly working well together and delivering value. Yeah. Uh, so we have about a minute left, Tom, and I wanted to just get your take. We talked um, a couple times during the show about you know the capabilities and lessons learned from your defense side and bringing those to the civilian side. Uh, the flip side of that is what you're doing on the civilian side and how it's helping on the defense side. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. I think uh, it goes back to pace. I, our customers, because they interact with the general public and, and are demanding a digital experience, are used to operating at an accelerated pace. And as a result, we're creating processes we're developing our our engineers and our resources to have the tools to be able to operate in this accelerated environment. On the defense side, with uh, the um, evolving threats from terrorism to also near-peer threats and having to, to stay ahead or, in some cases, even catch up, uh, they are operating at a faster pace in order to deliver national security systems. So having folks that are used to operating at that pace and bringing some of those tools, techniques, familiarity with with software development as platforms become more software-defined and software-centric, bringing uh, that expertise over to uh, our other parts of the business. So, um, yeah, so you have that, you know, that sort of strategic ability to look across all your, you know, customer support, whether it's civilian or DOD, and sort of find the best um, and to support your customer. Absolutely. Tom, I want to thank you for being on the show. My guest today has been Tom Afferton. He is the Vice President of Civil Solutions at Northrop Grumman. And you've been listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio, a part of the Federal News Network. You've been listening to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Tuesday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.